big idea, but so young. It will never work. Zero experience. We'll see. Welcome to Dorm Room to Boardroom, where the journey from campus to corporate isn't just a story, it's a roadmap for the next generation of game changers. I'm your host, Maddie Rifkin, CEO and founder of Mount. Join me for today's exciting discussion as we chat with Pete and Misha, co-founders of Earth Brands. They've raised over $6 million from investors, including Mark Cuban, and are also Forbes 30 under 30 for social impact. Not only are they doing incredible things via their community they've been building, but this company, Earth Brands, is going to be changing the way we think about sustainability and the impact that our generation gets to have on the earth as we go forward. Excited to dive in. Pete and Misha, welcome to the show. Peter and Misha, welcome to the show. I'd love for you guys to give our listeners and audience just some background on Earth Brands yourself uh, and Typically, we go with like a 60 minute or 60 second recap uh, of what age you founded Earth Brands, what school you guys went to, and then what is Earth Brands all about? Awesome. Well, sounds good. I'm, I'm Peter and that's Misha. And uh, we're both we're both from New York, New York City, Long Island. Um, we actually grew up uh, near each other and we knew each other from the, the junior tennis circuit. So we both played competitive tennis. Um, we yeah, we. We knew each other. We played in the same tournaments, although we never played each other as, as, as juniors. And then we ended up at the same college together, up at Williams College in, in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Um, and that was where we started Earth Brands our junior year. Um, and the mission was pretty simple. We, we saw red solo cups and other you know kind of cheap plastics littered all over our campus. Um, and we knew there were better alternatives out there, but they weren't accessible and they weren't popular. And uh, we wanted to we wanted to change that. We wanted to make sustainability cool, and you know, create a, a, a product and a and a kind of a movement around that product that uh, that everyone could relate to. Super cool, uh, love that. Also, what school did you guys go to? Where did you found the company? We went to Williams College. Fantastic. Yeah. And also for our listeners, this is our first ever podcast. We'd have, we have both co-founders on today. So you'll be hearing from both of them. Wow. Yeah. You guys are a first for us. This is awesome. <laughs> lucky, lucky you guys. Come in a package. Hopefully, hopefully my, hopefully I don't lose service and I'll be here the whole time. <laughs> That's the life of a founder though. You know, always on the road, getting something done and grinding. It's true. Absolutely. It's true. Cool. Well, let's give our listeners some context. Um, why did you guys want to found Earth Brands? I mean, I know it was the Red Solo Cups, but uh, really, what was the the drive yeah. behind that? What got you get What got you started? I guess. Yeah. Well, Peter and I have known each other for a really long time. So we grew up, like Peter said, in New York City and Long Island. Grew up playing tennis together. We all, we were always both very entrepreneurial. Um, since we remember, Pete started a hack company in high school. I started a t-shirt company. Sold it. Um, sold t-shirts to tennis players and our friends. So we always knew we wanted to do something together. Our freshman year at Williams, we would always start, uh, you know, kind of tossing bad ideas back and forth to each other, just kind of shooting ideas around. And going to Williams, we realized and became passionate about climate change and plastic pollution. We started learning and hearing about it from a lot of our students and friends there. Being in the beautiful Berkshires, you kind of just fall in love with nature more and more. And one day around COVID, we, we saw, it kind of dawned on us, right? how many solo cups we were using at not really a party school, 
but we were using thousands every weekend and essentially just throwing them out. So that was what sparked the idea. We did research. We looked up how many solo cups are used on college campuses every year. Uh, the number is, is bigger than anyone has ever guessed, and we ask a lot of people, but it's around six to eight billion. And that kind of just started a snowball for us. We did a lot of research and uh, wanted to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that had such a good impact. I, I am a recent college grad myself, about two years now, uh, and the amount of solo cups we went through. Honestly, still now, I actually live in New York, uh, and we have some good rooftop parties, and the cups are just everywhere, uh, which is just so disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Where, where in New York? Where in New York are your rooftop parties? Um, you know, I probably should not broadcast that on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> or I would have some crazy people showing up. Uh, but, you know, needless to say, they're pretty fun. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's dive in a little more because we've never had co-founders on the podcast. And one hot topic amongst people trying to get started when they're in college is I don't want to do it alone. Uh, but I also don't want to just randomly turn to the person next to me and start a company. So really, I guess, what's the driving force behind your guys's relationship? Like, what do you each bring to the team? How has it survived? Are you like an old married couple now? You know, like what's under the hood there? <laughs> Def definitely sometimes like an old married couple, um, which has its pros and cons. But um, no, I mean, I think Misha and I had a very, I mean, we, we were best friends at Williams. So we had a very strong base before we started the company. And like Misha said, we always, we we're both entrepreneurial. So we we're always throwing ideas around. We even kind of, you know, tried to start smaller things our, fr our freshman year at Williams and before, before Earth Brands. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I think the key is balance. So, um, and I mean that in a couple ways. First, it's balance between the two of us, right? So we have different strengths. We also have different weaknesses. Um, we, we, we both kind of see and respect what the other guy's good at that maybe, you know, I'm not, or he's not and vice versa. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the first part. And then the second part is, is balance in our relationship in our lives, right? It can't always be just about business. It can't always be 100% earth brands. It can be 95% earth brands, but maybe that 5% has to be us, you know, communicating and, 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 uh, and relating in a different way. Um, so in college, it used to be us going out and playing tennis, right? We were both uh, college athletes on the tennis team at Williams. So that was one way we communicated and had fun and, and kind of took a break from the, the earth brands business partner, par, business partner relationship. Um, and, and today it's, it's other stuff, you know, may, maybe it's still getting out and playing tennis or, or other games or competing or, you know, playing some cards or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think we try to keep it light, um, keep it fun, you know, remind ourselves, pinch ourselves that yes, we're building a business and we're taking this so seriously and we have investors and we've raised money, but we're also young kids and we're having fun and we're, we're learning every day and, and we're learning with each other. I think that's, that's something that's huge. Like, you know, the amount of times we're in the car together or at the office together or having lunch and we're, you know, just chatting and, and, and really like starting to understand the industry better. And one guy will say, wait a second, isn't it like this? And then the other guy says, oh, I think it's this or, or no, actually it's, you know, this is the way it works or this person's doing the purchasing, whatever it is. Um, we, we start to like uncover those industry secrets and, and, you know, kind of get to the bottom of how things actually work together a lot better than at least I would alone. And I think Misha would alone as well. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit. And then the other part is just that like, 
starting a company is lonely and stressful and hard. And everyone, I think in media and all that sees like the great side of it, the upside, the success, the, you know, the, the, the big, oh, they, this company just launched this or this company partnered with so-and-so, but they don't see, you know, all the, the, the other days and the other nights where it's a lot harder and a lot darker and bleaker. And I think having a, a co-founder to kind of weather that, that storm with, so to speak, is, is certainly a, a yeah. Thing. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more with everything Pete said. Yeah. I think it boils down to, and Pete touched on all this, but essentially if you could trust the person you're working with and, and have full trust in them and their decision and decisions and ideas, um, have full respect for each other, um, kind of what you guys bring to the table and hear each other out and, um, and then communication is, is so important, right? Even in old married couples, right? You need to communicate your thoughts clearly, what's on your mind, what's bothering you, what's going good, um, and just having open dialogue. And the last thing I'll say is what Peter and I are really good at is essentially when we, when we do disagree, right, we talk it out. And then when we, uh, when we agree and make a decision together, we're both fully committed to going in that direction and, and, and executing on that. So I think that's really important. It's been a great mindset for us. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I have had a fair amount of founders on the podcast now. And I think one thing we always end up talking about is just on the outside, on social media, LinkedIn, the media, like everything makes founder life appear amazing. You know, you only really highlight the good stuff. Maybe you raised in a week while it took you behind the scenes two years. Uh, and it's just hard to highlight that and be vulnerable. And, you know, I'd be interested to get your guys' take on that. Obviously, you have each other. Um but what do you do to kind of shut it off? Because if you're friends and co-founders and there's always ups and downs and highs and lows, you could always be talking about the business. Do you have like a code word or something where you're like, all right, we're just going to shut it down. <laughs> we're just going to be kids for a minute. No, I was just going to say my initial reaction is basically there's going to be so many dark nights and there are more dark nights and dark days than, than bright days and successful days. And if you want every day to kind of be perfect and all that, then don't start a company, right? There's so many days when Peter and I are walking back late night from wherever we're working, and it feels like we made no progress that day, that week, that month. But it's in those moments when you realize, I actually love this, because I know one day, and it's going to pay off, and we're building towards something, and we're going to see that come to fruition. So it's almost like the days that are bad and the days that are hard is are the days that we love and cherish most. And I think playing tennis competitively and, and growing up in that world has taught us that. So we, we love that. Yeah. But to answer your question, we don't have a, we don't have a code word or, or any, anything to kind of, to reset, but, but I think we do, you know, um, we're both like playful and we, and we still have fun. And, and sometimes it needs to be like, okay, let's, we need to go blow off some steam. Let's go play tennis or, or let's go for a run or, or, or you know, work out together. Um, you know, something that completely takes the mind off earth brands for, for an hour. And then other times it can be more casual where we're in the car together, driving to a meeting and one, one minute we're having the most intense business discussion. And then the next minute we're joking about some, something that happened in college or, you know, whatever, a friend. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I've gotten deeper into this Mount journey of my own, where, you know, we're two and a half, three years in at this point it's some of our employees know me pretty well. Uh, one specifically I went to college with and, you know, she just knows me pre-mount. Uh, so it's quite helpful having that around as well because the dark days are real, especially as you get bigger and raise more money and things get more serious. So it's nice to have those. 
supportive people around you, even though people think on the outside, it's very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, no, it's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, agree. Yeah. And, and it's easy too. I mean, Misha and I are both people that get, you know, completely wrapped up in our work. Like, you know, both either of us could work all day and not, you know, not take a, a breath or glance up. Um, so it's nice to have each other too, to help do that sometimes. Right. And, and take that pressure off or relieve whatever stress or, or just like check in and, um, and, and catch up. And yeah, there are moments where I feel like Misha knows me better than I know me and moments where I feel like I know Misha better than he knows himself. And I think that's really, really helpful, right? Like kind of like you said, Maddie, having someone who knows you well and, and can kind of help, help moderate the, the swings, right? Because there's a lot of positive swings and negative swings. And like Misha said, maybe they're more negative than positive, but we're all about you know, trying to stay neutral and trying to uh, yeah, keep that balance. Absolutely. Um, switching gears here a little, because this has been on my mind since I, I uh, did some more stalker research into you guys for the podcast. <laughs> um, but I did learn that Earth Brands was started out of your garage, uh, and now you've raised over $6 million. Very curious how that took place. Uh, and I know there's a lot of little steps in there between, but were there some big moments where you're like, holy shit, this is working and let's go, let's go do this? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's funny. P Peter and I had talked about it like almost a few months back. We one night we were just working. We we're like, what, what were the top five biggest moments, right? Or moments that, that stood out to us in our journey, but go ahead. Peter. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of little things and we always talk about how you do work and you, you don't necessarily see that payoff or that progress for months later, but there were still moments, especially in those early days when, you know, we weren't even, we didn't have the goals that we have today, right? We weren't like, let's build a company into this or let's, you know, go into this industry. It was more like, hey, we have an idea. Let's explore it. This is a passion project. We're interested in sustainability. We're interested in business. This overlaps. Let's see what happens. Um, but, but yeah, you know, essentially when we, when we came up with the idea and, and did a lot of research into different materials and products, we eventually launched Earth Cups, our, our first product, a, a plant-based cup that's you know compostable, turns to soil in 90 days when when it ends up in a facility, and uh, and we ordered 100,000 cups from a from a manufacturer that that we had you know partnered with and talked with and, and done all that. Obviously, we didn't have any anything to make the cups ourselves back then. Um, ordered 100,000 cups, and and thankfully Misha and, and really Misha's mom was nice enough to to take them in. Uh, to her garage. And so they delivered there. And yeah, we, we started selling to the market we knew best, college kids, right? That was where we had first seen plastic cups and litter everywhere and kind of identified the problem. And it was also the market we knew best, right? We were juniors in college. We had, you know, friends in the market. We were selling to ourselves, essentially. And uh, yeah, pretty, pretty quickly after two or three weeks, we realized, wow, we're going to, we're going to sell out pretty soon. This is, this is working. This is catching on more than more than we thought. And, uh, it was kind of like a ripple effect. We'd sell to a fraternity or a sorority on one college. And then the next weekend we'd hear, you know, from three or four more, Hey, we saw your cups at so-and-so's party and we think they're great. And we want to order a thousand more. And we're like, great, we'll ship them out. And hell yeah. Yeah. We did the that. viral community effect. Exactly. So I want you to keep going and talking about your journey, but I have a question, uh, which is when you were making your original sale, were these fraternities and sororities just really bought into the mission behind the fact that this cup is not going to produce waste or what got them to say yes? Yeah. 
I think back then that was it, right? We didn't have a brand. We didn't really have a, a movement or anything around it. It was really just like some people just like us who felt guilty about how many plastic cups they were used they were using. That was that was the word that most people said, right? They'd be like, Yeah, we'll wake up on a Sunday morning and there'll be four thousand cups around the house and two thousand on the lawn and we just feel guilty about that. And we're like, yep, we, we resonate. We were, the, we were the same way, right? Maybe on a smaller scale at Williams and whatnot and being college athletes, but, but we saw it too and felt it. And so, uh, yeah, those, those were the first folks. And then again, community effect and all that certainly helped. Hell yeah. Would love to dive more into the community aspect too. Cause I think that is my one big belief af after having been a founder of Mount for so long now in that. I think the way Gen Z founders build is basically community first, especially when you're in the consumer brands. Um, partly because Gen Zs and the the generations below us are so bought into the mission of companies that you can't just product place, get an influencer to talk about you and you're good to go. It's more like, no, you need to live and breathe right. the mission of the company and, and have totally. that bought in. So what have you guys done on the community side? Yeah. I think we, I think we recognized and, and, and realized that really early on that in order for this thing to really take off and for word to get out to all the millions of college students across the United States, it needs to be sort of a network effect, a brand and have, and, and make it a product that people love and want to tell their friends about. And so early on, we immediately launched like this ambassador program that we have where students across the country would, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, Misha, it's bad. Can you take over? I, I can hop in though. I can, Ambassadors. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think, um, I think it was also pretty simple. Like, yes, part of it was that we realized we wanted to build this community, but we honestly had no idea. It was more that we didn't really know how to build a company, but we knew how to build a community, right? A movement. So we we knew how to get kids around something. We we had been doing it in other ways for years, right? We've been getting friends out to our college matches, and we had been you know, organizing uh, pep rallies and, and you know, fun, kind of fun community stuff like that. And, you know, it turned turned out that doing it around a product that people could resonate with and that people wanted was even easier in a way um, because it didn't, you know, the, the sales pitch wasn't that hard. You said, hey, we have this product and we're building this movement around it. And we, you know, hate the fact that when you go into a grocery store or a liquor store, all you see is polystyrene or polypropylene cups, right? These really dirty, cheap plastics. Um, that to us is a problem. Our generation's supposed to be fixing this issue, not adding to it. Um, so I think that was that was kind of the the impetus behind going community first. But I think you're absolutely right. Like our our generation leads with that, and you know I think a lot of companies today try to incorporate sustainability and be green, which is great. But there are also companies like like ours, which you know started wholly and entirely because of sustainability and wanting to make a difference, which to us is even better. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it creates such a strong community. So what have been the effects from your community uh, thus far? Because I mean, it sounds like you've been able to raise a substantial amount of money. I'm assuming community had some play in that and your growth. Um, but really what does that, that community look like today? Yeah. Yeah, so it, you know we've kind of formalized it in a way. We built an ambassador program. We started that about um, a year and a half ago, and now we have I want to say close to five thousand brand ambassadors across over four hundred colleges um, throughout the country. So that's a that's a really cool network, right? A lot most brands, even brands that are way bigger than us, can't say that. Um, and again, that goes to the fact that 
we are this brand and this, you know, this movement ourselves. Um, and then, and then a big social media following, right? We've, you know, we have over a hundred thousand followers across Instagram and TikTok. um, you know, a strong community of, of millions of impressions a year. Um, and, and some, some great, just general brand recognition, right? People see our logo, they recognize it. Um, they get it, they get what it stands for. Um, which is, which has been pretty great. And then, you know, all the fun stuff, like we've thrown events with 10,000, 10,000 RSVPs and, um, we've, we've held, you know, uh, parties and, and, and other stuff where certainly that, that community effect and that, uh, you know, big, big brand presence has helped. Absolutely. That's super cool. I mean, I think I am fascinated by community and I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your fundraising journey, but not every single VC and investor out there understands the power of community, but also they don't understand how hard it is to build. And once you've built it, how much it can unlock. Like, did you guys feel that at all when you were trying to get investors behind you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think some people got it more than others, right? Some people we like get on the call with and they're like, this is great. This is invaluable. Most companies that are 10 times bigger than you guys or a hundred times bigger can't even build this sort of community or brand around a product so quickly. And so like virally, um, and, and other people didn't, right. They would focus on other stuff and like, what's your, you know, this and this, and, you know, maybe we didn't have great answers to that sort of stuff in, in the early days. Um, but that's kind of the stuff we could teach ourselves and learn or, or get taught. Um, and so, you know, I think the people who got it and invested in us and saw the opportunity and still believe in us today were the people who said, look, what, what they've done in a way, again, to us, it wasn't harder, but in a way is harder or it's harder to place your finger on. And there's no playbook for it. There's no like, this is how you do it. And it's, and you'll go viral. It's, it's, it's a, it's a little more subtle and, and harder to do in a way, whereas actually doing the fundamentals of a company and building a really strong um, business is, is more replicable. I, I also, I also just want to quickly add it on the community part. You know, I think a lot of brands and even, of in, you know, even investors have said to us, look, you can just, you know, hire some influencers and pay them and they can promote your guys' brand and, and then you'll go viral. Maybe. But I think what we're trying to do and build is, is way bigger than that. Right. Because I think we're not just trying to push a product that already exists out there into the market. We're trying to educate people to make the right choice and make it easier for them to switch to sustainable products, but then also care about that in all their other daily lives. I mean, I would completely agree with that. And it's funny because I was having this debate on LinkedIn actually today because uh, one of our community videos went viral a few days ago and have been kind of just feeding off of that with the traveler community at Mount. But, um, you know, it's an interesting concept because I like following new and upcoming influencers, especially on TikTok, but it's not like they're influencers. They're just sharing their life and it's fascinating. Um, but the immediate point where they put a product in their hand, the post says sponsored and they're like, I think you should be using this. Or like they start doing their makeup and they're like, I love this brand. And you're like, clearly that is not the case. Like this brand has paid you to make this video. And it like has totally been pre-recorded. It disrupts their entire feed and just looks so unor uh, unorganic. That's what I think is like going by the wayside. And I think that's what big brands, people who aren't kind of on this forefront of the new marketing don't understand is like, that is the way of the past. You need someone to organically use your product and talk about it because they like it, not because they've been paid to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what you guys are doing really well. Yeah. And that's how the, your community is so strong. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I would say, you know, it was 
completely by design, but it was also, you know, because we didn't have, we didn't have any money to, to pay, you know, influencers or, or, you know, people on Instagram to go promote a product or spend on marketing at all. So we had to be a little scrappier. We had to get it out to, you know, people in a more organic way and say, Hey, can we send you a pack of cups and feel free to do whatever with them, right? No strings attached. Just, you know, we want to send you some product, um, see what you think. And again, I think having that, that brand, that mission that everyone can, or a lot of people at least can, can relate to and, and resonates with really, really helps with that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, one thing I am really curious about that we have not touched on is how on earth did Mark Cuban become an investor in your guys' company? <laughs> did you find him on Shark Tank? Like, did you go on Shark Tank? We didn't go on Shark Tank. Um, although there was talk of us going on Shark Tank, but no, we didn't go on Shark Tank. It, it was it was pretty lucky. Um, we had done a lot of outreach to angel investors. So we had literally gone through LinkedIn and other platforms and just like cold messaged a few thousand angel investors. And it was a very tedious, laborious, you know, like us sitting on the, the floor in our in our dorm room just one by one late into the night. And one of the one of the guys we invest we we connected with um, was an angel investor himself. But um, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not making investments in this right now, but I have a friend I'd like to introduce you to. Um, and that and he didn't tell us who he just said, can I share your materials? And we're like, of course. And it turns out that that friend was Mark Cuban. And we we actually the next day, I guess he had forwarded our, our information. We got an, an order, like an online Shopify order for 50 cups from a Mark Cuban in Dallas, Texas. And uh, and we were like, whoa, was this? is this real? Did he actually just buy cups or is this one of our, one of our buddies pranking us or what's, what's going on here? So, um, yeah, then he, then he emailed us, reached out and, you know, we went back and forth for a while and then landed a deal. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, the power of angel networks is really cool. And another thing I get asked all the time is like, how on earth do you find these angels? I think, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but being a college student and just so young and new to the world, like we don't have a network of billionaires and millionaires because we're not ourselves that right. category yet. Exactly. Um, so it sounds to me like you just went balls to the walls on LinkedIn and you're like, I'm just going to message everyone that might be an angel investor. Yeah. yeah we also, we, we did that on LinkedIn and we also did it um, through our college network. So we, we went through the, the, the alumni directory um, at Williams and we, you know, you could kind of sort it by industry and, um, you know, we, we sorted it by sustainability and business and finance and, you know, a couple, a couple other categories. And we emailed a few thousand, it's a, you know, it's a small network. Williams is small, but it's a strong one. And we emailed a few thousand and, um, you know, 95% of them didn't respond. And then the 5% that did 80% of those responded negatively. Like, why are you emailing me and asking for money essentially, you know, on, on this email or how'd you get this email? Um, and then, you know, whatever the, the remaining, the remaining percent or remaining few loved our idea. And they said, um, you know, we, this looks really cool. I'd love to take a look or love to at least have a chat and help you guys out and see if I can connect you with anyone. And, um, that's, you know, really a testament to how, how strong that Williams network is and how much, you know, alums want to help other alums. Um, I will admit that we did get in a little trouble with the school for, for doing that, uh, but which was totally our fault. It was not the schools. It very clearly says that, you know, those directories, as, as is the case in any school, they're not intended to be used for soliciting money or, or anything, you know, kind of in that nature. Um, and so, uh, 
And so, yeah, we got in a little trouble there because we, we accidentally had a follow-up scheduled with a lot of them. So they, they got some more emails, uh, but oopsie, <laughs> yeah, but oopsie, yeah, we, we move on. And, uh, and yeah, we actually, we ended up getting like a, an investment offer from one, from a Williams alum, like just one out of the 5,000 we emailed and we didn't take it. It was like a month into the company. We, we didn't know really what we were looking at or what we wanted. And it just felt like a lot. Um, but five, four or five months later, when we did do all that reach on LinkedIn and landed Mark Cuban, um, we, we, we reached back out to, to that Williams alum and said, Hey, we're, we're raising a round if you're interested in, and he, he participated and he, he also participated in our series a, so he's invested with us twice and he's one of our closest, you know, advisors and friends and someone we look up to. He's, he started a business himself. So, um, oh, that's yeah, incredible. pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talk about a story of resilience and then also just like ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> Because like, really, how much trouble were you going to get into? But also, I think my outlook on this, because uh, I went to Northeastern University, I didn't go through our directory, which actually is a great idea. Um, but I did make most of my classes and thesis uh, during my final uh, year at Northeastern for Mount and, and got in a fair amount of trouble nice. for doing all of the same work for four classes. <laughs> nice, yeah. uh, but, you know, my outlook was like, hey, if this works out and Mount becomes massive, and now I'm an alumni of Northeastern. Are they going to want to claim that in the future? Right. Yes, they absolutely will. Right. So did I just do them a favor in the long run? Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, completely. We, 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 at Williams was nice. They have a, a winter study program. So January you take one class, you know, pass fail. And they're, they're very like kind of explorative classes. A lot of alums come back and teach those courses, but you can also do independent studies and Misha and I through the through the career center and the entrepreneurship folks there, um, we did a we did Earth back then it was Earth Cups but Earth Brands full time um, January of our senior year and that was before we had decided to forego our jobs and and be full time on the business and so it was a very cool like opportunity for essentially thirty days to just work on the business you know nine ten hours a day you know plus a little tennis practice maybe. But um, just just work on the business full time. And we kind of got a taste for it. And we said, we like this. We, we can fill up our day. This is great. And we're having fun and we're learning and we're growing. And look how much we just got done in a month of actually doing this full time. And so I think without, without that, I mean, who knows? We, we, I think we probably would have still figured out that, hey, this is, a, this is something we should do full time post-grad. Um, but, but, but who knows? So I'm, I'm certainly glad that the, the school let us do that and, and set us up. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. Props to Williams for doing that. Um, you know, that is kind of another kind of nugget that we should point out here to the college students listening is like, I got that opportunity at Northeastern. It was a bit longer. It was for six months because they do a co-op program, but I petitioned to do it for myself. Uh, and they absolutely said, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I would always just ask because chances are they're going to say yes, but if they say no, like at least, you know, um, and when you're a college student, the risk is so low. Like if it fails or if you find out this isn't what you love to do, like that's fine. You can go back to school and still get a job later on. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's your livelihood and you need to now be supporting yourself and not going to school. 100%. So, you know, this is the time to take some really big risks and, and figure out what you want to do in life. Yeah. And I think that's a huge advantage. I think college kids and young adults starting businesses have an advantage one, because they know the market, they know what's in, they know how to market stuff and, and appeal to a big audience, especially on social media. 
but I think that's that's the second advantage, right? There's they're way more risk willing because they're in their early twenties or whatever it is, and they can they can afford you know maybe to make some mistakes and not have it cost so much. Absolutely. Well, I know uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Sadly, this one was a quick one. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, but would love to know just kind of what's on the horizon for earth brands. What are you guys up to anything you want our listeners to really think about coming out of the pod? Yeah. Well, we've, we've focused a lot, you know, in, in the last year or so on, on selling business to business. So, you know, our, our college presence, our D to C that's alive and well, you know, we sell on our website through Amazon, GoPuff, all these, all these different places, and we're getting onto shelves too. So, um, you know, with, with some grocery chains some convenience stores, we're, we're, we're starting to, you know, get our distribution up, you know, there, but the majority of our business has been really strong on the B2B side. And, um, that's been selling to coffee chains, breweries, restaurants, stadiums. So recently we've launched in TD garden, American airline center, and then most recently Madison square garden here in New York, which is super exciting for, for Misha and myself, you know, being, New Yorkers, Knicks fans, Rangers fans, um, pretty cool to see our cups in action there. Um, and then, as, as I mentioned to you, we just raised some money a, a few months ago, um, which we're really excited about. We're, we're growing our team, so we're bringing on a lot more people on the, uh, you know, the supply chain operation side of things, and then also sales. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the future, uh, a couple things. So we're, we're, we've moved, you know, the majority of our manufacturing here to the U.S. with a couple suppliers and ourselves. And then we're building out our own our own facility and our own plant, which is which is pretty exciting. And then a lot of material development. So we're, we're starting to partner with material science companies and and, you know, folks that actually make the raw material polymers out of whatever plant or whatever, you know, kind of feedstock. And we're starting to partner with them, do a lot of testing and come out with some new products, um, both horizontally like lids and straws and other single use items, but then also more sustainable cups, right? Cups that you could, you could, you know, they could end up on the side of the road or in the ocean and still degrade and still have no problem, you know, within that 90 day timeline or, or whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's where we see the future, right? Material science, us manufacturing, big brand deals like MSG and, and large music festivals like EDC we did last year. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's most of it. Hell yeah. I mean, this is probably one of the best brands I've learned about this year, uh, just because the impact you guys are going to have in the future is incredible. If every cup out there we're using is yours instead of these damn solo cups, just think about you're going to feel so much better when you throw it away because half the time you forget to recycle anyways, because it's not easy, especially on the streets when you're out and about. Yeah. And this just and, makes it so much better. Yeah. And we're big on that. Like we, we think it's our job and the job of companies to make it easier for consumers, right? You can only ask so much of people, especially college students. You can't ask them to totally change their behaviors or habits. Those are pretty ingrained. Those are there to stay. Um, we think it's more on us to come up with better products, better infrastructure, better, you know, whatever it is, systems. Um, and that's both on the material side and, and throwing away, but also on the convenience side. So when we were selling to a lot of fraternities and sororities and other college groups, we heard from a lot of them that cups were kind of like a last thought. It, like they didn't think about it right away. It was kind of like, oh, shoot, we have a party tonight and we have no cups. Let's run to Target or Walmart. Um, so we've set up like a membership program for fraternities. And I think now we have close to a hundred fraternities signed up fraternities and sororities. Um, but a membership program where they get access to our, they pay a membership fee every semester. They get access to our cups at a discounted rate 
it's like 50% off or something really crazy. Um, and then sometimes we bring in brand sponsors who want to toss a logo on the cups or a QR code. And that's how, that's how we make it affordable for the college kids. Um, but it, it's a great program. It's called our Earth Cups Alliance ECA. Um, and I think that's just made it a lot easier for college kids to be like, oh, yes, I know I have 2000 cups delivering every Thursday morning, um, you know, at my fraternity house or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so that's we're, incredible. We're yeah, we're that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I hope there's some fraternities and sororities listening because everyone should be <laughs> signing up for that program. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I need that plug. <laughs> That's why I'm here. You don't have to sell your products. I can do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, well, that is the the end of the podcast. Anything else you want to leave the viewers with? Yeah, I don't know, Misha. And if you're still there or still on, feel free to come in with some of your, uh, you know, late night wisdom. We might have lost them, but no. I mean, I I think uh, you know, I think we've we've tried to make it cool to care, right? We've made sustainability cool. Um, you know, we've found that when you do make the right choice, you know, whether it's buying earth cups or doing something else in your life that, that, you know, helps climate change and reduce plastic waste, that you feel great about yourself and you make a difference, right? Some together, maybe your individual footprint might not be enough, but some together, um, that's pretty significant. And this really is the, the fight of our generation, which is, which is part of the fun, right? That's like, that's, that's where we get, the, kind of the fuel to our fire. That's that's where, that's why we wake up in the morning just excited to open our laptops and, and see what the day has in store. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're I'd say like we're, we'd be nowhere without the college community. We really owe them a big a big thank you. And you know, we have college interns every every semester, every year, every summer. Um, those those folks have been really helpful and amazing. And uh, yeah, just excited to keep growing here. Hell yeah. Well, I'm excited to follow your journey and see you guys take over the world in the next few years. Uh, so thank you for what you guys are doing because it's absolutely needed and necessary. And hopefully we can play our part and just keep making you guys huge. So I'm definitely here for that. Uh, and thank you for coming on the podcast. You guys were phenomenal guests. My first co-founders, very, very fond of you guys now. And uh, I'll link everything in the show notes so you guys can go buy some cups, recommend fraternities and sororities, do your thing community. And uh, we'll see you guys in the future. Amazing. Thanks, Maddie. And thanks, listeners. That was very fun. Very fun for us to share. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Misha. Bye, guys. See ya.